You're listening to a Whales or Whales production. You're also listening to Whales. Visit whalesorwhales.com for more projects and shows like this one. Welcome to Hearthaholics, the Hearthstone podcast about sitting back, chatting with friends, and making terrible puns. This is episode 23. I am your host, Brian, and joining me today is my co-host, Andres. Hey, Andres, how are you doing? Brian, doing great. How about you? You know, I'm doing pretty well as well, and that sentence is actually really hard to say because of how many wells there were in there. Billy, you're my <laughs> other co-host. How are you doing? Well, I would like to say hello, well... <laughs> I was really hoping you wouldn't say well at all, but you um, went to the well of wells and did a good job of, wow. I almost said did a well job. I don't think well can be used. <laughs> no, that, I think it can be used sense. in that way. You know when you say a word so many times that it kind of starts losing its meaning? Well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think we already reached that point. <laughs> the weird thing is Hearthstone still sounds like a word, um, even though I've said it like a lot. Hearthstone. It's a nice word. It is. It kind of seems like it would be harder to say than it is. Like Hearthstone. Yeah, no, it, it's actually very easy in your tongue. When I think about it, it, it seems like I would constantly trip up over it. Hearthstone. <laughs> oh, I see. You're making the TH sound with the S sound instead of making them distinct. Yeah, it's like a smooth little ramp up into the end of the word. Hearthstone. That's really interesting. See, they uh, thought through everything. I, I wonder if they did, yeah. <laughs> they just My first spent days pacing around the office. My oh, first two months of me playing this game, I called it Hearthstone. Like Hearthstone. Yeah. Oh. Because I, I I saw the H. I just refused uh-huh. to pronounce it like that because it was. <laughs> we just don't need this H. Me. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's interesting. I, I imagine they focus tested the name a lot. Uh, it was called something else before, like Legend of Warcraft or something. Legends of Warcraft. Yeah, I think I'm I'm glad they changed it though. Hearthstone is the perfect. Yeah, game that's it. a nicer ring to it. And they got their logo like done because of the hearthstone from wow oh yeah they're now like whenever i hear someone mention i'm gonna hearthstone when playing world of warcraft i'm like oh that yeah means i, can, that I can't there's only one the, context yeah for that's that true now. i can't hear the word hearthstone anymore without associating it to this game exactly then it's too late they like confused you even more by putting the the back out button in heroes of the storm i know as a hearthstone so now yep. i hear that in heroes as well and i'm like you're it's like using me. You're in the middle of a heroes game. I'm gonna go Hearthstone. Wait, no, we're playing heroes. <laughs> you can't do that. We're gonna lose. I think we actually had a confusion like that in one of our games. I think so. It sounds like something that would happen to us. <laughs> I actually played a little heroes just last week. Uh, it's fun times. I don't know what I think about that new map though. Uh, that's kind of that's kind of cool that they do Hearthstone across all the games though, like yeah. a like a binding stone across all of it. Yeah, I think it's a cool, like, yeah, common element between all Blizzard games save StarCraft and Diablo. But, you know, their time is coming. It's got to fit it in there somewhere. <laughs> it probably already is. I just don't know of it yet. No but, yeah, how's everyone's week been? Billy, I know you've been spending no time with Hearthstone. So would you like to spend our non-Hearthstone minute on something this week? <laughs> I mean, I haven't really been doing 
too many things that are particularly interesting. I've just kind of okay. been... Okay, uh, well, do you want to spin our non-interesting non-Hearthstone bit? I've just been watching <laughs> horror movies and things. Oh! Uh, and also spending time with family, but that's incredibly boring. That's so... But why would you ever do that, Billy? <laughs> I know, right? What's the point? There's no cards involved. Exactly. <laughs> Unless they... And since you can't gift people card back or cards yet in Hearthstone... There's not really any point in spending time with people. <laughs> hey, there's usually good food involved when you're hanging out with a family, though. That's a good point. That's so, you know, that's a, that's a plus. Indeed. Fair enough. Um, so, you mentioned horror movies. A quick side topic. I feel like a complete wimp because I've, like, seen no horror movies ever, mm-hmm. really. Uh, it's not that I necessarily have an aversion to them. I just never really tend to hear them recommended or go out of my way to see them. So, like, Billy, quick question. What is your favorite horror movie you've seen? Um, geez. Recently, it would be sure. Babadook. Although I'm Barbadook. biased because it was made in Australia, so immediately it's like better than it <laughs> already is. So yeah, uh, that is is a pretty good movie, and that's, oh, that's on cool. Netflix. So there you go. Oh wow! Already, Andres. I, th- I think I like the the first Saw. Okay, where it was just I've like never very seen simple. a Saw movie. Me neither. I, if you're gonna watch one, I recommend the first one because it's just very simple, like. The plot is just like very like I don't know macabre. It's just like really dark. But then the other ones they like really went off the rail into just like making torture. it. Yeah, it became like <laughs> very very like hardcore torture and just like yeah. the weirdest ways of dying and stuff. But the first one as a horror movie I think was okay. was pretty good as as a concept of itself. And Billy, I believe you meant I never saw a saw movie. Um, wow. <laughs> that one was hot. That we started early today. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're getting into things fast. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Okay, I want to say if I have a favorite horror movie because I'm trying to think if I can literally remember seeing a horror movie. Does Abbott and Costello count? I've hmm. never seen it, so I oh, know. that's like okay, that's like 40s black and white. Oh, okay, uh, you're bringing horror. back the vintage here. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not that knowledgeable in movies. Uh, that's about all I've seen because my dad used to watch it. Like, oh wow, 10 that's, years the, ago. that's the last horror movie you watched. Ah, uh, I'm trying to think of any horror movie I watch. I'm actually <laughs> I'm really bad about watching movies. Oh, you're, um, you really haven't cut up the times, Brian. I've played a few horror <laughs> games like Resident Evil. Um, oh, that's like cool. that's kind of like watching yeah. horror movies. There you it's, go. It's kind of There's hey, a Resident get, Evil movie that I never seen. You get some points for that. <laughs> but yeah, not really from a horror family, so I can't actually think of one I've seen. If I think of one, I'll let you guys know. But uh, I was never particularly into horror films, but my uh, yeah. my mother was, so I always watched them with her. Uh, okay, I mean, I've seen Supernatural, which is a horror-ish TV show. No, you get points not. for that. You <laughs> no. get points for that. I don't care if that it's not the, actually not designed to be. That is the furthest away from horror. It's okay, got, okay. he doesn't ghosts. get horror points, but he, he definitely gets points. <laughs> okay, I've seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Excellent TV you show. You get extra points. But that falls more in the comedy realm. Than uh, all of the horror I've seen is can't be comedy horror, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> That's completely so, fine. Yeah. Yeah, I but enjoy I it. Better. Uh, it. There's a lot to play with. So, okay, speaking of a lot to play with, I did play some Hearthstone this last week, um, roping it back into the topic at hand here. Um, oh, man, at hand. I'm so good at these puns, I don't even do it on purpose anymore. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, this last uh, week, um, I've been very busy because we had our Monday, our first Monday night hangout, um, uh, Hearthstone hangout, which, Andres, you were a part right. of in hosting. So that was great. And then yeah. we had... 
the Tuesday night um, ladder coaching session, which was great, and then also the Wednesday night hangout. So like all three nights. Yeah, it's up been a super busy hangout week for you. And now it's Thursday night, and I'm recording an episode about Hearthstone. So there you go, Hearthstone, Hearthstone week. And and now and then I'm going to be spending my weekend out of town playing Zero Hearthstone. So I feel like there I you go. you're getting out of the way before it's you a week leave. of extremes. Yeah, one yeah. and then the other. So yeah, it's been enjoyable. Uh, those were all great. Thanks so much to everyone who showed up to all of those. Some people like Rob and Joseph, I think, showed up to all three. Um, nice. Yeah, we have some very dedicated people who've been coming to all those hangouts, which uh, it's it's awesome. You know, uh, as long as people like him and they enjoy him, we're we're gonna keep doing him. Yeah, so that that was super fun. Didn't have a ton of time to play uh, the game outside of that. What about you, Andres? I played a little bit. I actually have a crazy game story that happened to me right before the show. Oh, really? What? what yeah, I almost threw my keyboard out of the window. Like I, <laughs> wow. this never happens. This never happens to me in Hearthstone. But this this game was just completely ridiculous oh, in the no. way that it panned out. I was playing a warrior, uh, a dragon warrior. Mm-hmm. So it was a long game. I was playing against this mage, and at first I thought he was a tempo mage, but it, he ended up being more of the mid rangey kind with a lot of like late game, and he was playing okay. a ton of secrets, including like effigies and like sludge belchers. So he was trying to get value out of all that. So I was like, yep. okay, this guy is going for the long run, which is good against warrior. But I, I had the game the entire time. But here's the catch. During the game, he plays two spell slingers, and I get um, was the druid card that summons six five wisps or gives plus five plus five. Oh, dark, dark whispers. whispers, dark whispers. Yeah, I get dark whispers, and then I get <laughs> um, ancest- ancestral call. Hmm. Wait, is it ancestral call the one that gives you ten mana and discards your card? That's no, ancestral no, 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 that's, um, communion. Ancestral communion. Yeah. He gives me both of those, oh and I'm like, god. oh my god, what am I gonna do with this? Ancestral communion is given to me at like turn nine, so it's completely <laughs> useless. But basically, the game goes on for a long time until it comes to a point where I'm definitely ahead, and I'm holding in my hand. Both of the cards that the Spellslingers give me and two executes. And he's okay. holding on to two cards. And then... Um, Are they the Spellslinger cards? Yeah, no. I think they had he had used like some of the Spellslinger okay. cards. He just has two cards in his hand. Okay. And basically, like, no board. We have no board, either of <laughs> us. So I'm at... Oh, he has one secret left. And I've, like, tested every possibility. Is definitely not Effigy, not Duplicate. It wasn't... Um, the armor or ice block, and it wasn't counter. Oh, Wait, no, how did you I, know it was an ice block? I think I thought it was counter spell, so I was like, okay. "This is definitely counter spell." So I'm looking at my hand. I'm like, "Okay, I could just play the ancestral communion and get that counter spelled, and oh. then I can play the dark whispers." And oh no! Board. I'm oh, like, "I'm good." So I'm like, "All right, I'm just I play tested for every secret. I'm like, it has to be counter spell." So I do it. I do the Ancestral Communion, and it goes through. It does not get countered. I'm like, oh, no. So my <laughs> whole hand gets discarded, and then next turn, he freaking plays Maligos. And then on the next turn, he plays Ronin. Oh, and I'm just oh. sitting at him looking. I'm like, you oh, what up. did I do? And then finally, <laughs> I get my... Oh, he plays uh, Maligos, and I top deck Ysera. So I play Ysera. Mm. And I'm like, okay, there's a chance... I can come back from this if my Ysera just give me gives me the right cards. Can just Green. wipe his board. And yeah. I had played uh, Jessica Trueheart, so I had a ton of armor. Right, I was at a good life spot. I wasn't in danger or anything, so I could even like withstand like Malagos arcane missiles. <laughs> 
and then this is what happens. I attack with my Ysera to his face because he's like super low in life. And it turns out the freaking secret is vaporize. <laughs> kills my Ysera. And I'm just like, no! Grab the oh, keyboard man. and I'm like, oh, no, no, no. Just sit it yeah. down calmly. I can't do when this. You, when you start this story cool. about a secret, I'm like, this is going to end with vaporize. <laughs> yep. So basically, Wait. yeah, it was, it was like a 17-minute game that ends yeah. like this. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, is that Billy? How how is that even possible? If you test for ice barrier, then by proxy you would have had to have tested for vaporize. Not with weapons. Well, I tested with a with a weapon. Oh, yeah. I see, I see. All right, vaporize then. is your hero, and you're like, wait, yeah. what? <laughs> I didn't. So, I, I completely missed yeah. the part. Wait, and I guess like weapon. vaporize gets played so little that I was yeah. like, okay. Yeah, I think the only one you couldn't have tested for was ice block because you would have had to kill him. Yeah. Um, but other than that, that's crazy. Like, the funny thing is, if you'd played the Dark Whispers, you could have baited out the Vaporize easily, and then you could have also uh, ran them into the cards he was playing and execute them. So you would have actually been in a really good spot no, if you played I had, Dark Whispers I had that first. game. I had that game. So that you was knew you game. lost it by your play. So the basically, worst. I threw away the game with freaking <laughs> Ancestral Communion. That card, I hated for the rest of my life. Um, yeah, that's... <laughs> So now Andres is officially against that card. It is finally pushed him over the edge. Um, but yeah, that's yeah, my uh, so crazy cool. game story of the day. Awesome. Well, I was kind of hoping it'd be a lock and load hunter story, but you know, still a good story. <laughs> All right. Well, let's jump into our main topics here. Uh, Andres, let's start with yours because I think it's the most broad and uh, interesting one we have today. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Ben Brode recently released a video um, I know he had announced them previously on the Angry Chicken when he went on. Mm-hmm. Um, he was trying to get some feedback on what kind of videos he wants to do, a little community outreach and that sort of thing. And he released the first one yesterday, and it's all about um, the introduction of new expansions and how it's becoming a barrier of entry for new players. And right. also, he touched a little bit on uh, power creep and um, why is it necessary, kind of like a necessary evil. Yeah. Um and I thought it was a really good video the way he he put out this problem was uh really eloquent and um it's really nice to see that they are actively thinking about this. He didn't put out any solutions, but I think that is kind of worth discussing uh today over here. Yeah. Um so I recommend anyone who wants to be uh, fully informed on this in the show notes, we'll have a link to this video. Also, you can just search uh, Ben Brode Power Creep on YouTube and it'll pop up and it's about seven minutes. Um, and yeah, he does a really good job explaining what the problem is. So I think it'd be interesting for us to kind of say, what are some potential solutions to this problem? What kind of things could Hearthstone do in the future to combat this sort of thing? And what what are the potential ramifications if they don't? Um and so it seems like he had two primary um, two primary problems, one of which was amount of cards that are being introduced. Um, as they introduce more and more cards, it's going to be more difficult for players to enter the game because of the uh, quantity of stuff they have to learn and then the quantity of stuff they also have to buy. And the second problem is creating cards that are more and more powerful so they will get played and thus the game itself becoming more more and more powerful overall. He gave the example of like, at one point, if you keep making one mana drops better, you're going to have one mana four fours. And then to combat those one mana four fours, you need like one mana four fives to taunt and you need one mana 10 damage removal spells. And like, how far do you go until the whole game is, you know, crazy and the life totals just don't even make sense and everyone's dying immediately. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's start with the first question there, which is the idea of, 
amount of content. Like, what are your initial thoughts on that, Andres? Sure. Um, he's right about one thing. Um, I started playing the game right out of the open beta, um, like two months before the the mm-hmm. official release was announced, or three months, something like that. Um, and back then, it was kind of easy, right? We were just working towards one pack. You just had to finish arenas and buy that one pack, and you knew that that's all you had to do. But nowadays, if, if I had started playing the game now, it would be it would definitely be kind of daunting. You were like, wait, so I have to buy classic packs because there's good cards there, and then I have to get two expansions, which are $25 each, and then I have to buy GVG cards, and now there's TGT cards as well, and there's like all these good cards just spread out across all of them. Um, and to have like a... To build one deck is not necessarily super hard. You can like focus, and it might take you. If you're going right. through the play, you might it might take you a month, maybe two, to build like depending on what deck you're trying to build a fully fledged competitive deck. But in all honesty, to play this game, you need more than one deck. And if you really want to enjoy this game, especially the way um, streams and tournaments are set up, people it's not like Magic where you just find that one deck and you go to the top with it. This mm-hmm. game is very much about, hey, uh, I use this deck to combat this, and I use this deck to combat this, and then I have fun with this deck over here. So it's all about like swapping classes and stuff. So you definitely need mm-hmm. a very, very decent collection to be able to fully enjoy um, the game how it's supposed to be enjoyed. So one concept I'd heard before, and I think something we've discussed on the show a little bit before, is the idea of what if they rotated cards out? Um, you know, what if you always played with the classic set, you know, the original cards, um, and then the most recent, like, two expansions and two adventures or something, or one expansion and two adventures. Um, Like, do you think that's a good solution to it? This idea of, okay, those cards are out of... Like, you'd still own those cards, you could still maybe play them in casual or something, but in terms of what the constructed play during tournaments and everything is, um, we're going to limit you to these amount of cards. Yeah. Um, the most recent, like, do you think that works for Hearthstone? Cause that's how other card games. So been, yeah, like- Magic the Gathering does that, for example. Yeah. Um, there's one problem with that. And I feel that is what they're trying to avoid and why they don't want to go through, um, cycling their sets. Mm-hmm. And is that if they cycle the sets, it feels like the effort that you put into gaining those cards or the money that you spent on those cards, um, seems rather trivial. Especially mm-hmm. after the set, the set gets rotated, even they still give you a space to play with those cards. Like for example, Magic: The Gathering does. Um, you have your standard, which is only the allowed sets to be played, and then you have your uh, vintage, and then your extended, and they have a bunch of different formats where you can still use the older cards, even though some of them get banned because of the interactions get a little too crazy. Um, I think even then. Um, as a Magic player, I've, as I played a lot of Magic before, but when that happens, when the set cycles, it feels bad because it feels like the cards lost value, and for, uh-huh. for some reason, they don't seem it. It does just doesn't seem like the cards are in par now because you can't use them at your local store for Friday Night Magic anymore, or if you're playing Magic Online, then you can't use yeah. it to enter the standard tournaments, which is usually where the main community is, right? And then imagine if, like, you go into ranked, uh, <clears throat> and then you can't use any more of your GVG cards or any more of the Blackrock Mountain cards. And granted, there's going to be new cards out there, 
there's going to be that feeling of nostalgia of like, oh man, I, w- I remember those times where I could use my Thorson and I c- can't use it anymore, only in this stupid mm-hmm. format that doesn't give me <laughs> rewards or something. So I don't know. I think that's the main problem with that. What What do you think, Billy? Well, I'm I'm, I'm confused to which uh, problem we're addressing. Um, we're mostly new addressing... Pl- new player, new player um, just having too many cards... Well, yeah, to get. If, if if you want, I think to improve the new player experience, something that I've talked about for quite some while, uh, quite a t- sorry, let me restart over here because I'm, I'm stumbling over my words. Something that I've talked about in the past with the new player experience, and this is something that I've experienced quite a lot because I've made other accounts and stuff like that. Um, the new player experience can be very easily improved. It's just a question of whether Blizzard wants to improve it in this in this way. And what I would do is because Arena is such a new player friendly experience, at least in my opinion, because it's all about your level of skill in the sense that, well, obviously there's randomness dependent on in, in the draft, but um, it's all dependent about your level of skill. You don't, you don't need to pay for packs to be able to participate in the arena. Obviously you have to pay to enter the arena, but apart from that, no one's ever going to pull out some legendary that, that they paid for, you know what I mean? So... <laughs> That, in my opinion, is the best thing to do as a new player is is the arena and something that um, is uh, in the game currently, which is really hard to obtain for new players, but is something which is almost required for constructed is the solo adventures. And I think a really good thing to do would to be combine those two things and have uh, the one of the solo adventure wings, if you don't currently have it unlocked, be available as a reward for arena for say eight plus wins or something like that that's a really interesting idea i've actually had similar chains of thought where i'm like maybe everything but the most recent or most two recent adventures should be free because um you know once it's far enough it's like how they do wow expansions you know it's pretty much free to get every expansion up until the most recent one or two it's like you bundle it all for like 20 bucks so if you give that content to new hearthstone players for free it's giving them a nice card base it's giving them a bunch of bosses to beat that will start getting them used to the game and it gives them a non-frustrating experience outside of like playing online or something to really get used to the game and see all the fun writing and stuff like that so I think either tying it into arena or just eventually opening those up would be a great way to introduce people to the game and feel like they have more of the content. Yeah, that could be right an addition. Yeah, once the uh, <clears throat> adventures have gone through its cycles, you know, like next Remus have seen its days. Right. Um, and it's going to get even older than that. Maybe just uh, offer it as an unlockable. Like mm-hmm. if you, I don't know, get all your classes to level 20, then you unlock next Remus or something like that. Yeah. I really don't like either of those things. Once you Why the- do you think... Hmm. Making the adventure free is just, it feels so, uh, even from a consumer perspective, I don't like it. Because first of all, I find really? it like upsetting that I paid 20 bucks for this thing and this person didn't. And that's just like a frustrating perspective. And then also, True, but I'm sure with- for Blizzard, it's it, it would also be a frustrating direction to go into. Because I think it, for, for most new Hearthstone players, it's, it's generally considered that there's a... $50 entry to this game. You buy the two solo adventures because then you can make decks. Even if they're budget decks, you're still going to have access but to these really good cards. What about when there are eight solo adventures? Like at well, some point, that barrier is going to be unstoppable. So I'm saying once you have four or five, maybe make the first couple free. 
I, I mean, it's exactly what they've done in World of Warcraft. You can get stuff that used to be but, forty or fifty dollars as a bake into owning yeah. the game now. I was about the, to say that. Like, it's the, just a natural cycle of games, right? Like, I bought well, Diablo the, for sixty dollars, but now you can sometimes buy it for like twenty, right? Yeah. Right, but this is a bit different because it's COD inside of the game, right? So, True. if you if you're releasing, if you're talking about making them free, uh, mm-hmm. I think the and you're talking about a specific scenario where we have like let's say fifteen solo adventures. Alrighty. The most recent two, or the mo- most recent couple, are still gonna have good cards in them, and like yeah. if you look at, if you just look at it as I'm sorry, I'm, I'm I'm really struggling here uh, how to articulate this. But, like, the cards in Adventures are always going to be somewhere between good and, like, somewhere between average and good. So, mm-hmm. even if you're purchasing cards that are not in the meta... For instance, if I was playing... Most people consider Blackrock Mountain to not be a very good expansion in the sense that a lot of the cards didn't show, their, show themselves in Constructed. Sure. If I was a new player... Those 30 cards, or those... I think it was 30 cards, something like 30 cards. Mm-hmm. Um, those 30 cards can still make a way into a deck easy. And granted, yeah, oh, yeah, it's a budget deck, and it's not a fully constructed deck, but it's something to work with that you're not getting from packs, because cards like Eye for an Eye show up in packs, you know what I mean? Yeah. So if you're able to buy a specific set of cards, which you know can make it into a deck, uh, which is what buying the Soul Adventures do, then it won't matter that there are so many because you'll just be able to go, all right, I'll throw 50 bucks on next Ramus and the 13th solo adventure, and I'll make a deck with these two. Mm-hmm. So, so you're saying that... So you want to keep them all at 24? Do you think that having those adventures go for, through for free would give people just too many cards to start with? Like, yeah, like what mean, do you think you, the downsides are of that? I, I think that there's... Um, that that I think they're going to lose a lot of money when they do that, hmm. because I mean you have to look at it as a business, right? Because it is a business. So right. you really give people, for instance, let's just say that we are in this circumstance where there are fifteen right. solo adventures, and we're going to say that currently next round is in Blackrock Mountain are free. I can uh-huh. make a deck easily from Blackrock Mountain and next round is, and if I can just unlock them when I first make an account, yeah. that's like really really good <laughs> and you're getting that experience completely for free i um, think that's what blizzard wants to do though especially because if people make that early deck and really like the game then they're probably going to spend money on all the massive con- yeah masses I, of content i was about to that say point. that too because uh you, you talk about like making more money and stuff but once there's like about like five adventures out there and we're just talking about adventures we're not even talking about like fully fledged expansions with booster packs that yeah cost even mm-hmm. more money to get um at one point if a new player is gonna go into the game and they're like wait i have to spend over a thousand dollars just to even like get half of the collection um they're gonna go like hell no i'm not gonna play this game but if they're on the other hand they're like hey come into this game if by playing it you can unlock like the first couple of them and you can get a pretty decent collection and then if you really want to get invested into it you can spend the money in their latest content um i think that would be a little better for them well the solo adventures uh by principle are just more valuable than the uh than the expansions granted yes we Mm -hmm. pay more for the expansions but the solo adventures (laughs) are valuable because they are a confined set of cards and you know what you're getting which is 
really nice for uh, for people that like in my mind, I've always seen the solo adventures as like a new player uh, a new mm-hmm. player purchase. Like I don't think any current player is very excited about getting an adventure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Other than the fact that we're getting new cards. And also, we get to mess around with heroic bosses. I really like adventures, but right, we yeah. we we enjoy the adventures. But what I mean right. is that uh, it, it's extra exciting for a new player because they know they're getting a set of good cards. Oh here. yeah, yeah. In terms of being excited about the cards, yeah, I get that. Um, and I think once you start giving that away to people that have made a brand new account, uh, that the, there's a bit of an issue there. Now, like I said, I mm-hmm. could see it being rewards from things like arena because that way you're earning it. Uh, or you could make it, I don't know, a level, uh, uh, I don't know, insert level here that's above. I still wonder, uh, sorry, don't want to interrupt you, but do you think that playing through the bosses themselves is kind of earning it, though? Because that can be hard to beat them for new players. Yeah, so with new cards and stuff. You're kind of earning your cards by playing It can be a learning experience as well on deck building and the whole sure. thing. Great introductory um, experience. A lot of the solo adventure bosses are incredibly easy. Oh, I agree, but I see new players so, struggle against them. Yeah, well, even if, if you don't know the mechanics, Especially and maybe you no you're cards. just starting out, yeah, you can, you can get caught off guard watched, with those. I've watched my my father, who is by no means a good Hearthstone player. No offense, father. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all the way back in Nax Ramis, and he was an even worse player than... Uh, have no struggle against the boss with barely any cards at all. I don't even think he had a legendary yet um, or hmm. anything along those lines. They can always make him harder or something, but yeah, it's, it's, that is one, that is one possibility, right? The only, the other possibility I was thinking about uh, rather than like mm. making adventures free and that sort right. of thing uh, would be some sort of bundle, right? Some sort of like, yeah, bundle I've seen offer. that around too. Uh, I, I think bundle is this. a good answer. Cause I don't think Blizzard likes giving away free things. Uh, we saw them mm. originally do that at the start of Hearthstone's life cycle. We saw a free wing with Naxxramas, and we saw, I think it was three Goblins versus Gnomes packs. And then yeah. after that, they just never did it again. So I think yeah. I think they really well, want to get just away from different mobile. things. Uh, well, maybe they'll bring it back. I think they're just trying the things out. Um, sure. But anyway, back, back to the bundle thing. Uh-huh. Uh, for example, they could do a bundle where they sell you two adventures and maybe like... 10 packs of GVG and 10 packs of TGT, right? For like a reasonable price, like $50. Yeah. So you're still be- spending money in the game. You're still bringing new players in and it's not going to feel like super, super daunting. It's like, okay, for mm-hmm. this price, I can actually make a very decent amount of decks and work my collection up from there. And that's an advantage Hearthstone has over something like Magic is they give you a certain set of basic cards to start with. And Magic doesn't even have that going for it, which can make it really yeah, they don't get into Magic. Although and Magic th- does uh, different things like that, where, where they will sell you like a whole bundle with like a starter pack, right? Like a pre-built right. deck. That's, that, that can be a thing oh, too, yeah. like pre-built decks uh, where you don't have like all I want like, that to never the- happen. I don't, <laughs> I don't want people to be able to go to the store and be like, I want to buy insert deck. Um, I think the case. difficulty with that would be that I mean those are in the game right now. There, there are the basic decks you can build. Um, like right. there are pre-built decks in the game. I think I'm with you, Billy. That my concern about them being viable is you'd see so many of the exact same deck on ladder uh, in the early ranks. Um, yeah, true. But w- would that be out. would that be a terrible thing? Mm, maybe not terrible. I mean, I guess it's see, not that different from I people think, net decking. 
Yeah, you're already see all the people net decking, so it's sure, not gonna be like. Sure, but you don't really see that at the type that. of ranks that I'm imagining that people are gonna purchase something like this. When you, for me anyway, Hearthstone is at its absolute most boring point uh, in like rank five and beyond. Um, I really don't I enjoy would, that. I would that. argue the other way though. Yeah, me too. <laughs> right, that's my favorite but, way to play Hearthstone. But what I'm talking about specifically is that you run into the same. Uh, th- things in in a row like you're you right. know you'll see I I don't see too much of it but let's say I keep running it the patron right mm-hmm. that's my least favorite thing about Hearthstone the fact that everyone kind of runs the same decks and it's in fact the same reason I haven't played ladder at all this season because whenever I play Hearthstone I'm either playing arena or I'm playing with friends because that's how I get a fresh experience rather than the same deck over and over again and I think if you give brand new players uh, a meta where everyone's running the same deck straight away uh, that's very boring interesting I Although, think we'll definitely get more into that specific discussion with my topic on uh, net decking since that kind of ties in a lot but it is interesting to discuss how whether or not new players should be guided towards that like another interesting idea on that topic is what if Blizzard like kind of instituted pre-built decks that communities could make like in Dota you can see pre-builds for heroes like, what if you could see deck lists that are integrated into the game and build from those? Like, Yeah. The way I was thinking it is, like, I don't know, the way Magic does it is that they don't give you, like, a competitive deck, right? They just give you yeah. a deck that showcases certain mechanics. And it's a usable deck in the sense that all the cards in it work well together. Mm-hmm. It has a decent enough mana curve. You don't have any, like, overpowered cards. I think they give you, like, two rares yeah. or two, like, two of the golden ones, which is, like, equivalent to like legendary in hearthstone in each deck but still it's not like the best legendary out there but basically like what hearthstone could do would just be like introductory decks right they'll have like a beast hunter deck or like a um inspire mage deck or something like that kind of like uh what they did with um tgt brawl when they were right before they released the expansion they did that brawl with the two tgt decks where they were not like fully fledged uh, top of the line competitive decks, but it was just like two decks that worked well together and showcase mechanics of the game, kind of introduce you to it, and then um, if you buy them, you, you get those cards for your collection, and you can branch out from there. That's kind of the way I would see uh, pre-built decks or that sort of thing. Yeah, I think it'd be helpful. I don't know if there's a future right now, but even if you could, when you're running the basic deck, if instead of it being its own selection, it would like create that deck in your deck list so you could edit and tweak it. Like currently. It's just its own button that's like the deck list is hidden from you, right? Um, if you're playing the basic and expert pre-built decks that are in the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can have like a panel. You know how they have a panel with yeah. uh, your basic decks and then a panel with your pre-built decks? Right. I think that I th- what, I, what I'm saying is I would even like if they just add the ability to see and tweak the deck lists for those pre-built decks so new players could start to learn to adapt those decks. Because I oh, think yeah. what new players want That'd is just a place cool. to start from. And they don't really have that starting point a lot of the time. Yeah, but the people um, could make guides, right? Like, hey, if you right. want to start with this deck, you could uh, replace these cards with these cards eventually exactly. and make it into this more yeah. like powerful version of it. So some a point I wanted to go back to was this idea we were talking about cycling cards and whether or not that would work. And during our discussion, I kind of got to thinking as we brought up WoW and other games is I can't really think of, of a competitive game that just keeps building content onto it. Like... In World of Warcraft, content literally just becomes outdated. You're not going to be 
using an armor set from one expansion in a new one. Like you might be transmogging it to look like that armor, but it just, it's outdated. You never use that armor anymore. In something like Call of Duty, a new game comes out every year. You're not literally taking all of the guns from all of the games and all of the levels and putting them into one game. Yeah, that's um, true. In Magic, right. you're cycling. So can you really keep all of the content in a competitive game always there? Or will the bloat just inevitably collapse in on itself? Like, is there any example of that working? Well, I think that we can talk about a little bit of the power creep here. Because as yeah. Ben Brode was saying, like, there will come a point where in order to make a new exciting expansion that is actually going to um, shake up the meta enough, you, you will come to a point where the cards are just, like, blatantly overpowered and are just going to get out of hand. It's going to be a completely yeah. different game. Like, eventually they would have to, like, raise the health totals because you're right, like, cards would just destroy you in one hit. And that's something that cycling cards allows you to do. We we talked last week a little bit of how Inspire wasn't making it in very many decks. What Magic can do is say, okay, the mechanic of this set is Inspire, um, along with a few others, and it's going to be used because, you know, 50% of the cards in that yeah, set have the best, Inspire. Yeah, the best cards in the set are going to have the thing. So you kind of always have a fresh yeah. thing to experiment with because the card pool is different. You can't just keep playing Patron and you don't need to have answers to Patron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I agree. Um, it, it did feel like that in this expansion. That TG, the TGT release wasn't like game-breaking. All these cards are like vastly superior. Yeah. But they're like, they're, some of them are really good, but they're kind of in line with the rest of the cards yeah. that uh, are out there right now. So they're kind of playing it safe where there is a little bit of power creep in some cards, but mm -hmm. it's very controlled. Yeah, exactly. And so I'm still kind of of the opinion that at some point in its life cycle, Hearthstone has to start taking cards out. Um, because I just go back to the idea that I can't think of any competitive game that is consistently adding content that can let you access all the content at all the times. Um, I could be wrong on that, but every example I can think of finds ways to cycle its content out. Um, because at some point you need to limit things especially in games that grow as quickly as Hearthstone seems to be growing. Yeah, um, and like he said, he want, he want, they want to make content for this game for a long time to come, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the longevity of this game is the priority in their minds, which is fantastic, especially because there's such a big community around this. It would, be, yeah. it would be a shame if the game ends prematurely because of bad design, which I don't think, I don't think is going to happen because no. I think this game is in very good hands. Um, but I yeah, think, yeah, the question is what what is the solution? Because he he didn't give us one, right? I think mm -hmm. uh, it's still up in the air in the in their team what what to do about this sort of thing. Yeah, um, it's a problem that exists in all these games. Magic decided to solve it <clears throat> through cycling cards and offering mm -hmm. uh, bundles and pre-made decks. Um, how Hearthstone decides to solve it is still yet to come. Um, yeah, would you like cycling to be a thing? I think yes. Um, I think it's just the smartest thing to do. I also love the idea of being able to keep my cards forever. Um, but as I look at the game more, and to me, the two primary problems that people say about Hearthstone is Billy's complaint, which is it gets stale. I'm seeing the same decks. Um, it doesn't feel new um, from month to month. And the second complaint is it's bewildering to get into this as a new player because there are now like three expansions and two sets, and I wasn't even keeping up with what was going on, and now it just feels way too... Um, way too late to get in. So I feel that if they only had a few relevant expansions and cards at a time, then the focus could always be on the new things and the decks would be built around those new things. And so I guess I see the problem as they go forward is how do you want to implement this? Like, 
how many do you want to be cycled? What is your legacy mode going to look like, etc. Yeah, will you implement a legacy mode where you can still play all the cards? I think that has to be in there. And the way they filter would you the have reflections... To ban- would you have to ban certain cards? Because eventually hmm. there will be like... Because if you're releasing expansions, which, you know, after you have cycled out other expansions, right. most of the cards you're going to release there maybe are not completely going to be balanced in regard with the previous cycle, right? Right. But once it gets into that mode, it gets really wacky. I think the fun of legacy mode, like in Magic, is that anything goes. Anything you can you're think right. of. You're right, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I think if we seven. end up in a world where Hawthorn is limiting what cards we're allowed to play and constructed, uh-huh. then if there is no mode where I can do whatever I want with any cards that I own mm-hmm. or had previously owned, um, then that will be a very sad day. And yeah, I'm there's not- just no reason not to add that mode in. I, I'm almost positive they would if they made this change. Um, yeah. And then, so limit, the expectations and then limit ranked only to the standard sets that are currently in the rotation. Right, right, exactly. And I just, I don't know. I feel that divide would be way better. It'd make people like Billy who want to be creative a lot happier, people who want to play ranked and have it fresh and changing a lot happier. Like, it's kind of an unoriginal solution, but it's tried and true. Like, I think it's what... I don't know trading card games extensively outside of Magic, but from what I understand, it's what most of like Pokemon and all that stuff, Yu-Gi-Oh! I think that's what they've all been doing this whole time. Yeah, I mean, so Hearthstone, the, for- the formula has worked for them, right? The Magic has been going on for over two decades now. Almost, right, and Hearthstone mechanically is just like those games, so I feel like they're seeing the repercussions of ignoring that one part, and that's going to come back to bite them because... This formula, that to me is a key ingredient of this formula. And if Hearthstone ignores it, they need to have a really good solution. Although I don't um, think Hearthstone is so much ignoring it. I think uh, right. Ben Bro's acknowledging of this problem is definitely a, a tell that they're definitely very aware of this. Right. I think it matter, it's more of a, a matter of the the life of Hearthstone. Hearthstone's mm-hmm. still a little infant in its youngest states, right? Like yeah. ma- Magic didn't start out with cycling in mind. That no. was more of a problem that came about after they realized, wow, okay, um, if we just keep piling on cards on top of the ones that we have, eventually it's just gonna be too hard to design around this. Yeah, uh, so actually, maybe, maybe they yeah. could do something where they individually, with certain cards, allow them to not be used and constructed rather than entire sets. And what this hmm. and do what they did with nerfing cards as well, uh, which is give you a full dust disenchant for it. That's something that's that possible could be done. Um, and I think I think that's a little bit more clean uh, yeah. in the sense Although that I you're think... not saying, hey, whenever you buy a solo adventure, two months from now you're not going to be able to use the cards from it. Say yeah. two months from now you might not be able to use the best card from this set. To me. I, in my opinion, that's less clean because it doesn't eliminate the problem of having to get cards from the old uh, content. It still creates a dizzying array of cards to get. It's also Blizzard has to select what cards they are every time, yeah. which is really weird to me. It'll I think be hard to balance work. that way. To me, it doesn't seem to solve as many of the problems as it seems clunkier on Blizzard's end. But I mean, hey, those are the types of alternative oh. solutions that I would like to hear. But um, what I'm saying is, like, there would be far less cards than I think you're imagining. Like, you know what okay. I mean? So. So right when you say now, selected cards, like how many are you imagining per set would be removed? Um, with something I was like, like four or five, you're thinking like half of it, or with something like a solo adventure, I mm-hmm. think I'm imagining like maybe just one or two, and then oh. have keeping one or two, or removing one or two, removing one or two. Oh um, yeah, and then mm-hmm. with an, uh, a full blown expansion, I don't know, somewhere underneath ten, but 
That doesn't seem to solve close. the problem to me. Or really. let's say because what would happen uh, with adventures if you do the cycling? Just think about yeah. how many cards are actually playable from those sets anyway. So you have like yeah. maybe 15 cards from Goblin. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, Mechs exist, so you can't say 15. So like let's say <laughs> 25 cards from Goblins vs. Right. Gnomes that, that got played. Uh, mm-hmm. competitively anyway and let's say that there were 15 cards from the grand tournament and let's say there were five cards from the two solid it feels well, really was... weird to snipe out which cards did best in the meta like that just right. i don't know yeah. it feels really clunky yeah, it feels to me weird. Okay. but i get where it's coming from it could work like i said that particular idea doesn't strike me as one that could work but i just I think like it's... it because it's a way of because if you did the, uh-huh. the whole wipe and expansion away, you can't yeah. say, here's all your dust back. Because then I don't they just see spend all that away. dust. Uh, well, I guess to you're me, wiping I see just... it away from constructed. Granted, right, if this but... ever happens, I'm just never playing constructed again. So it doesn't That's exactly me. what I'm saying, is that I think it helps them stratify constructed in tournaments, or they could have tournaments that are like legacy tournaments or standard tournaments, like Magic. And I think just creating that divide, then people who want to play like you or people who don't care about getting past uh, rank 20 have their place to go but people that want the meta of hearthstone and competitive play of hearthstone and the balanced hearthstone to remain fresh all the time also have their place to go and they're the people that can keep up with all the new cards anyway um so i think that kind of stratification would help things um and kind of help separate those two types of players in the first place so i guess yes i'm very in the camp of cycling cards yeah you <laughs> the do. more and more i talk about it i mean it's a it's a valid decision i'm sure that yeah. cycling cards has been one of the solutions that they've talked about and discussed it's yeah. just a shaky ground because yeah like you have some players like you which is totally fine with it but then you have mm. players like billy which is like hey well where are my cards going over here you mean i can't yeah. use them in ranking like if it. i ever want to play Half of the fun of making a an exciting deck for me, like half of the fun of making something like Miracle Rogue to try to work right right now, is mm-hmm. being able to verse all these people who are like, I'm getting to legend with my insert deck here, and uh, you know, trying to beat them up with Miracle Rogue is 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 something that I enjoy rather than versing someone else who's trying out. I don't know. I think that's fun, but at some point it's like, oh, Call of Duty. I want to play with these guns from the very first game that aren't at all balanced around these guns from the fifth game, and that's fun, but that's annoying for the competitive players. Like, that's not a good way to play competitively if oh, the game I'm, just gets I'm unreal. I'm looking play. at it in a competitive aspect as well because I'm I want to see mm-hmm. how I can make this deck as good as i can and if i can only do that in a casual format then that's just not very enjoyable to me i don't think that's the case though like what if they implemented tournament mode that had legacy tournaments as well as uh standard tournaments like there are ways to make legacy mode competitive when you guys were talking about legacy mode and and tournaments and stuff Mm -hmm. um hearing the word legacy tournament like whenever you attach a word to Uh tournament that just isn't like a standard tournament it feels right. like you're undervaluing the tournament. Like, oh, look at, that's look, look at uh, look at tavern brawl, right? Sure. That that was the thing where people tried to do tavern brawl tournaments, and people were kind of excited to see that. And same with arena uh-huh. tournaments. Those two things are like uh, for most constructed players. I'm not saying you guys because you guys are uh, a lot more open-minded. But for a mm-hmm. lot of players, it's like, oh, a tavern brawl tournament, or oh, an arena tournament. Like they. They don't see it as as. But you and, and realize the like same constructed will... players are the guys who are going to say, "Oh, Miracle Rogue." Like that's no, not... well, yeah. So like those types of players aren't going to be interested in those legacy decks anyway. 
I feel like that's that's not true. What you just said. Okay. I feel like most players when they run into something like a miracle deck, and I've I've gotten this experience from people sending me friend requests and stuff like that. They're like, oh wow, that was really cool. How did you manage? Like, how did you build it uh, so that it could keep up with this meta and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. Um, where I think that if a legacy mode tournament was to exist in the game, uh, people would be like, why are you playing legacy tournament? Like. That doesn't require any skill. You just put in all these, you know, cards that obviously synergize with each other that are currently banned. Like I don't know. It's, it's I don't. I don't see that at all because I'd be saying the current game requires no skill at all. Like well, no, because we're we're, we're talking people about can a, hold we're, that view. We're but... talking about a world where there's so many cards in the game that mm-hmm. it's like broken, so that we have to. Then in that case, that's into... all the more reason to not have them all playable. Like, if the mode's broken, then we absolutely need to create a new mode. If the mode isn't well, broken, then the old tournament mode works. Like, I guess I don't see the divide. Yeah, what I'm, I think, what I'm saying think... is because we're living in a world where we're um, cutting off constructed, like mm-hmm. we're limiting cards and constructed. Yeah, clearly there's a there's a problem with constructed with oversaturation. Mm-hmm. So. Pro players want to play in this limited uh, area, and they, at least in my mind, legacy will be considered like secondary, maybe even uh-huh. tertiary to arena. So like that's that's a right. world I don't want to. Yeah, live. I think I don't know. We're kind of going down a yeah. rabbit hole over here because we're now totally. discussing like the nitty gritty of like the one of the solutions and well, stuff. Well, I think it's a valid true. thing to bring up because it's like something with the whole arena warriors matters thing, like. There, yeah, there's yeah. currently communities in in smaller communities in Hearthstone which feel like they're undervalued, and I wouldn't want to live in a world where uh, we're split up into like five different groups of of players, and we all like don't think we're all valued enough. So I don't know. I agree. It's a valid discussion. I was what I was gonna say is that I think we we hit the the nail on the head here about yeah. the heart of the problem and I'm pretty sure that this is the same discussion that they're probably having <laughs> over there at Blizzard. There's probably right. a version of me and a version of Billy having this exact argument. Yeah, just exactly. Like, and the yeah. problem the problem with balancing this issue is yeah. that there's not a right and wrong solution, but yeah. it's a matter of opinion and how would you go about solving this? I and, mean, it's a lot like governance and you're trying to make things the best you can for the most amount of people, but net Everyone is not going to be happy with one single solution. Yeah, exactly. Always whatever going to be whatever they choose, mad. they're going to be unhappy people, and there's yeah. going to be happy people. Um, what we have to hope for, though, is that whatever they choose to do is going to be in the best interest of the game yeah. uh, to try to keep it as fun as possible without making it uh, super daunting on new players. They have yep. to strike a good balance on that. Um, so it's a great discussion. I think um, we made some great points, some great points here, and. Um, I don't know. We should probably like move on because we can literally yep. come up with solutions for the rest <laughs> of the night. Um, that is a really good point. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think those were some really interesting discussions and some angles I hadn't thought of, like the uh, keeping legacy mode competitive and all of that. Um, all right. Well, we'll go through my uh, topic here pretty quick, actually. I was just curious to get your guys' thoughts on this, honestly, because I already um, had talked to some other people about it quite a bit. Um, there was a an article recently on a website I honestly never heard of before called Tech Raptor. That, uh, the author Todd Woling, I think you pronounce it, Walling, I'm not positive, but he wrote, uh, Hearthstone net decking is a pox. And he basically wrote that, um, and I don't want to mischaracterize his points here, but what I got out of it is the idea that because people are just looking at decks on the internet of what to play in Hearthstone, it's ruining the mindset of creating decks creatively. 
no one uh, is is um, basically people aren't learning the actual valuable skill of a trading card game, which is how to build a deck. And it's ruining the game by all the decks being exactly the same and making it not fun at all because of that. Um, so, uh, Andres, what is your thoughts about that idea of net decking being a negative, uh, a net negative for the game, one might say? Uh, I guess I'll start by saying that I disagree. I don't, I don't see it as a negative thing. Um, I think I can see why it can be frustrating, um, right. to some people. Um, but regardless of the TCG that you're playing, I don't think I've ever played a TCG where people find the three or four best decks and those are the most played. And there's always one deck that rises to the top every mm -hmm. time. This happens in Magic, in Pokemon, in Yu-Gi-Oh, whatever you want right. <clears throat> to play. Um, this also leads to like another another. I don't want to call it an issue. It's more like um, side effect, and mm -hmm. uh, I think it definitely happens, especially on new expansions or when there's a huge streamer that's playing like a new deck that is having success. Um, it's kind of like a change reaction, right? Uh, when you see like a streamer do great in a tournament with a deck, or they're doing amazing on stream, they reach rank one or top legend with a certain deck. It's like mm -hmm. a chain reaction where everyone starts playing this deck, and if you're playing. Hearthstone, like the latter, especially if you're around those ranks, um, you will see that that deck is being played. Um, and I think that mm -hmm. opens up like certain possibilities, right? If you're a good player and you are good at um, somewhat good at deck building and modifying your deck, stacking your deck, that sort of thing, you can use that as a tool to get ahead of people, right? If you know what people are going to be playing, you put yourself ahead of them, especially because most of the people who just blindly net deck have not taken the time to explore the deck or truly understand the strategy or why the deck was put together a certain way and yeah. why certain card choices are there. They just mm -hmm. copy the deck list and they expect it to work equally good as the streamer or the person who's using it. Um, has been having success with and most of the time it doesn't happen like that um, eventually over time people do learn how to play these decks and it does become the cycle of like you see the same three or four decks running around right. but I think that's unavoidable no matter what yeah um, I kind of agree with you and especially on the un unavoidable point one thing that I noticed he uh, that I forgot to mention that he said in his article is he wanted Blizzard to be advocating that certain sites don't post deck lists and basically give coverage to the sites that don't post deck lists and tell oh, sites that, that to is not post deck lists. That is a full errand right and there. And that's the problem. <laughs> is it like that's where your entire point becomes very impossible because Hearthstone is a simple enough game that by watching a tournament, you can almost entirely construct someone's deck list. Absolutely. Um, and the community will just do it. You cannot withhold that information, especially as a company. Why Why would you want to destroy an industry that is growing based on your game? Like, there's right. a fully-fledged uh, industry that makes money out of making guides and yeah. um, like, having all this content on their website. I understand the want to be able to play a game without outside information. Like, a lot of the time I'm playing something like Dark Souls, I'm like, no, I don't want people to tell me which items to get and how to play it. I want to figure that out myself. Like... I totally get that. But in a competitive game, you have to understand that everyone's going to be looking for every edge they can get. And you can't just assume people are going to restrict themselves from information because information is the most crucial resource. So trying to 
restrict information in the competitive game, especially in the age of the internet, to me is just like a fool's errand. Like it can't be done. So you have to embrace that information and then work from it. Like you said, Andres. You can use um, it to your advantage. Yeah, that's uh, what I was saying. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and then don't think that there's no creativity left in this game just because everyone is playing like Patron Warrior, Temple Mage, and Secret Paladin. That doesn't mean that you can't be creative and come up with things that will still be very successful. Mm-hmm. Um, like last last episode, I was talking about that lock and load hunter, which was completely like different from the regular hunter, but was mm-hmm. incredibly successful on, against that um, secret paladin. Not saying right. it's a deck that will constantly work, but um, I think a lot of the best players have shown that they can create very creative decks that are not your common meta decks and still get to legend and do that sort right. of thing for example uh i was watching purple playing this uh axe flinger deck with bouncing blade and he was playing at rank five legend against dog another mm-hmm. great great player and he was playing another offbeat deck i can't i can't remember right now because i only ca- caught the last part of it right but, it was like two super creative decks at the highest ranks that nobody usually plays. And they mm-hmm. were being successful with those. Um, I think it's also a matter of learning the game to its full potential and using the information that you have at your hand to your advantage. Uh, okay. um, I think there's still a lot of room for creativity. But what what do you think, Billy? Because that is just my opinion. Yeah. I think net decking is a very interesting topic uh net decking is something that i think is incredible for the health of the game when i was a new player net decking is how i started playing the game i was net decking before i had even heard of hearthstone <laughs> oh, didn't right. even know the name of the game and i was net decking uh, right there i was like installing hearthstone already knowing what i wanted my deck list to be <laughs> um, and I got into my tutorial I'm like why is my hero not the rogue um, very disappointed <laughs> but you know net decking is, is I think uh, a crucial thing for Hearthstone and especially with player communication it, it, it's so nice to be able to communicate with people on, on this type of level and mm-hmm. once a new player sees something like oh okay well i can be running my captain's parrot so it draws into my sky captain crack oh cool like i didn't realize that synergy now i can do that um <laughs> yes and and that's the ultimate net deck right so with, with net decking <laughs> yeah. players that aren't necessarily the best players in the world uh are able to see secret synergies in the game that they just didn't even see before or even simple synergies that they just didn't see before um so that's that's certainly something nice and for higher levels of play People who, you know, uh, get to rank legend every season, they still need that type of, of, of outlet. First of all, for yep. them to post their own ideas. Second of all, they, you know, people don't have, uh, don't have a lot of time. So being able to, like, net deck rather than being like, ah, oh, what should I be tacking for this meta? Just to be Not able to go that. look at someone's list is just very helpful for those high-level players. But the amount of iteration you can get, it's like if you get a thousand people working on a deck because instead of one, no matter how good you are at the game, those thousands of people are going to have other ways to iterate that deck and hone it and make it better and better um, just by number of games played. So that's like 
I think one reason a lot of these high end decks are still so good is because thousands of people are playing thousands and thousands of games and figuring out what the weaknesses are. Like one person could never do that for every deck they play. So like, mm-hmm. I think there's a big advantage to that. Um, but did you have a second part to that point? No, you like I said, just, I just, I just think that net decking, like I, I get where it can be annoying yeah. uh, running into the same deck over and over again. Gotcha. Uh, but I mean, that's just going to happen anyway, even if net decking wasn't a thing. So yeah. Yeah. I guess the, my, oh, go ahead, Andres. I was going to say like, the truth is, is that at the <clears throat> competitive level, this is always going to happen, even without the internet and this sort of thing. This was happening when, to magic, when all you could do was talk to other people. Literally, mm-hmm. you would go to the tournaments and the best players would get together and <laughs> brew things and, like, those ideas would go around. And, like, sure, they could maybe keep it a secret until the tournament came around. But once yeah. that happened, then everybody knew that deck list and everybody could copy that. <clears throat> right. And, like, I- it just it just spreads, you know what I mean? There's always going to be the best decks out there. And if you're going to be playing at the competitive level, you're always going to be trying to play the deck that gives you the better chance at winning, right? Because that's what you're trying to do, win more than you lose. Um, So it's just a natural part of the game. Instead of trying to solve it and change it, I think, at least for the competitive level, you should just embrace it. Um, If you want to play really like offbeat decks and that sort of thing, you can always challenge your friends and do that in a private game. You have Tavern Brawl for that sort Mm -hmm. of thing. And having said that, you can still be very creative in the latter. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold, stick to that point because I've done it myself before, where I've taken yeah. crazy decks in the ladder and I've been, you know, not incredibly successful, but successful at that time because I was playing those decks with a specific purpose and a specific thing to counter in mind. Yeah. Well, that's that's one other thing I was going to say, which is I think. For people that are frustrated with people all playing the same decks and like you, Billy, I totally get that frustration. I don't think the answer is to tell everyone not to net deck and to restrict them from that and try to keep that away from them because I am almost positive net decking made me a much, much better deck builder than I would have been without it. Yeah, it's I given agree me, with that statement. It's given me information about what makes a good deck and what doesn't. Now, I don't consider myself a remotely good deck builder. I haven't done it much, partially because I don't have a lot of time and I like to keep up on what decks are out there and haven't invested yet and in kind of making my own stuff. But what I would do is encourage more people once they learn about the decks that are out there to start creating their own. And I think net decking could lead them into doing that. So I'm all for encouraging more and more people to try original ideas out and see how they work. But I don't think net decking is a problem. I think the same people that would be too lazy to never stop net decking would be the same people that are too lazy to ever get good at deck deck building to begin with and it would just be harder for them if net decking didn't exist yeah right and for the players that have never experienced um like creating their own deck and the players that are always going to just net deck Mm -hmm. the players that aren't gonna play if not given that option and i would much prefer them being being players that are just copying decks rather than just not being players yeah exactly and exactly. I was gonna say it's two different skills, right? Like not everybody wants to take the time to theory craft and do crunch crunch numbers and like yeah. play test and play test because building a deck from scratch, especially a really successful one, takes a lot of time and mm. effort of just trying and iterating and playing it and playing it and playing it. And some people just don't want to take the time to do all that. They just want to. Yeah go ahead and play the game and let other people do that kind of work. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of, to make an analogy to me, it's like, okay, learn an instrument, but do it by never playing any existing songs. 
just make your own songs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. and it's like, but, That's a good but analogy. It, it really helps me to, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I just think you're making it harder on people to be able to be good at deck building. So yeah, anyway, e- just exactly. curious what your guys' thoughts were. And I thought that was a, an interesting article. I, I, I like that the guy brought that discussion up. I had some issues with how he presented the argument, but it was, it was cool to see that discussed more. And I appreciate it. Yeah, and it's something that a lot of people discuss um, all the time. Yeah. Um, I don't know. People see net decking as such a bad thing. Yeah, well, kind of like a, oh, you net deck. Yeah, like, oh, it, you it, net decker. Yeah, criticism. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but in reality, it's just such a natural part of the game. People just should embrace it and be like, this is, this is how this type of game goes. Yeah, exactly. That being said, they poke fun at Aiden all the time for net decking. <laughs> I thought Aiden was really into making his own decks. Okay. He is, but Learned on occasion, he'll like throw a, I don't know, a mid-range paladin on me that was made by Strife Crew, and I'm like, oh, it's oh, made by Strife Crew. Well, it, it also depends on the time and situation, right? If you're just playing right. a friendly and you're playing some creative decks and then yeah. your, your friend just brings out, you know... <laughs> A, a gun to a knife fight, pretty much. This is why like, I always try to man, keep on, some, some constructed decks and some friend decks around, because it can be bad when it's like, oh, you want to verse me? All right, do you want this net deck, this net deck, or this net deck? Because I'm probably going to beat you with any of them. So Usually when I verse a friend, I'm, I, I usually go, all right, are we funsies or are we, yep. or are we playing Hearthstone? Like, which one are of the we games Legacy are we or standard? Yeah, right? <laughs> so. Yeah, so yeah, I think that's a that's a good point as well. Okay, guys, we're nearing the end of the show, but we got a listener topic in this week, so Ooh. I wanted to go over it, but it's a lightning round. So it's a few quick points that I just want us to like throw out our opinions on and then move on to the next. So All right, cool. All right. Uh, this comes to us from, uh, let me make sure I have the name right. Yes, Jamie, who attends our game nights almost every week. So hey, shout Jamie. out to Jamie. Yo, and here we go. Uh, the first one, <clears throat> why is Aviana so good? I understand that it is powerful, but every way I look at it, it looks like the classic Magic the Gathering trap of Phage the Untouchable, which is super good if it can hit. And I'm not going to go into the specifics of that card. Magic players may know it, but it's basically the idea of a card that's super powerful, but seems inconsistent and um, not something you can count on going off every game. Um, so uh, I'm going to throw this to Billy. Billy, why is Aviana so good despite that? Druid's ability to cycle is really effective, and then when you're able to innovate out and do crazy combos with Aviana, it's not necessarily inconsistent because even if you play it on turn 10 with another card, it's still really good because you're getting more value than you otherwise would be. Also, uh, Ramp Druid isn't very good right now, which is why Aviana isn't really good right now. Uh, It's not necessarily that Aviana isn't a good card, it's just an issue that the deck isn't very good. Uh, Andres, do you disagree with that? Um, I agree with what he just said. I think Kevyana is a super powerful card, especially in a class like Druid, where he, they can actually take advantage of it um, and do incredibly swingy turns. But the thing is, Druid is already really, really good without her. And most of the iterations nope. of Druid, which are at the top <laughs> of the ladder right now, um, don't need Aviana to win. All right. Well, as someone who doesn't own Aviana and never plays Druid, I feel my having an opinion on this would be terrible. So let's move on to question two. All right. I just want to make a, a oh, really, okay. really quick point. Uh, yes. The issue with Aviana is also the fact that the only playable, uh, and I'm going off of the, the Tempo Storm meta report, the only right. playable Druid decks right now are Midrange Druid and Token Druid, neither yep. of which want Aviana as a card. <laughs> Token Druid is terrible for Aviana. Yeah, this they is true. don't need her. They, <laughs> they have their win conditions already. Ramp yep. Druid is, is the deck for Aviana, and unfortunately, it's just not good right now. Yeah, early games is very hard to combat right now. All right, question two. 
isn't Secret Pally not good? I think this is going off, uh, sorry, this is going off our earlier discussion, I think, of why Secret Pally is good. So he has this question. Isn't Secret Pally good not because Mysterious Challenger, but because Mysterious Challenger into Dr. Boom into Tyrion? The deck thinning that Mysterious Challenger provides with Divine Favor vastly aids this on-curve possibility. Um, so I guess his argument is that the Mysterious Challenger kind of leads into an overall strong late game. Uh, and kind of transitions from the aggro rather than Mysterious Challenger alone being your bomb that wins you the game. Uh, Andres, what do you think of that? Um, so I slightly agree with what he has to say, although I don't think that Mysterious Challenger is good because of the curve that it presents mm-hmm. um, or like because the thing out of the deck, like the thing out of the deck might give you like a mild advantage because yeah. uh, the rest of the cards you're going to top deck are going to be good. But in all honesty, you could just put just good cards from the get-go <laughs> and you'll always be top decking good cards um i think the power of him comes from the incredible tempo swing that he gives you on the turn that he's played um mm-hmm. i think the way that deck is played is you just try to build a board that your opponent can't remove and then you play mysterious challenger on top of that even if you have a shredder maybe a dude that usually works or like mini bot shredder and then you play Mysterious Challenger. Um, even if your opponent can play around all of the secrets and do the you know, minimal damage control that he can do, mm-hmm. um, you're already too far ahead. And you, when you slam Dr. Boom and then Tyrion on top of that, if you curve into that, your opponent just cannot catch up. Right. Um, so so it, it is, in a way, good because of that, if you curve out really well and if you don't draw into your secrets and then... Uh-huh. Dr. Boom, Tyrion, like, your opponent will pretty much be screwed. But I think <laughs> um, the power comes from how much resources you can play in that one turn. All right. Uh, Billy, do you have any thoughts on that? Or have you not really run into Secret Paladin any more than before? I slightly disagree with Andres in the sense that I don't think... I think that the thinning of the deck for Mysterious Challenger is actually really valuable. Uh, it okay. is worth noting... Uh, from your question here, I believe it was Jamie, right? Um, yes. Since when you last talked about Secret Paladin, uh, the deck list has changed quite a lot. It's not running Secret Keepers anymore, which I think is an improvement. Uh, yeah. It is now running Tyrion and Dr. Boom. It wasn't before. Its highest yeah. mana card was Mysterious Challenger, and it wasn't even running Lower Feb at the time. Uh, so the deck list has changed quite a lot. I will say that I think this is a much, much better deck list than the uh-huh. other one. So Okay. <laughs> gotcha so it's it's getting better in your eyes like it's getting yeah, closer to being um, something for instance like before it was running uh how many secrets was it running it's running like six secrets well not like six individual secrets but it was running like three uh three to four secrets with two copies of each now it's running uh from what i can see here is it's running five secrets and only one only two of which are duplicate so a double avenge one competitive spirit double noble sacrifice one redemption and one repentance. So, you know, they thinned out a lot of their secrets, which I think is a lot better. Nice. The nice. thing the thing out works, but the thing about it is that you're not like a combo deck that is trying to draw through your deck. So like the thing out is just like an added like little benefit to it's the not deck a, rather it's, it's than not like, about like comboing or anything. It's it's when you take those cards out of your deck, the remainder of your cards are like good. Where, like, the alternative is you're running <laughs> things like, uh, I don't know, really, because this is just like, yeah, and I'm, I'm not saying it doesn't, but I'm not saying it doesn't running, happen and, it, and it's not I'm, beneficial, it's just that it's just the effect of it is not what makes you win the game, right? All right, 
in interest of lightning round, we're going to move on to question three. Um, this is the best question, in my opinion, which reads, Dragon Priest, why no reach, bro? You want you want reach on dragon so priest? I'm gonna try to field this, which is my thoughts is that priest doesn't have a very efficient way of getting reach to begin with that wouldn't be hurting the overall curve and power of the deck. And the deck is typically, I mean, right now it's one of the most controlly and long-lasting decks in the meta anyway. So you're typically going to win things out by grinding it out and getting the better overall board and dealing with all of your opponent's threats. So you don't necessarily need to reach. That said, I've definitely had the games where I wish it was there. So Andres, like, do you think more reach would benefit that deck? Uh, no, 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 no. I'm, okay. I'm against, I'm against reach on Dragon Priest. Are you kidding me? That would be super, super scary. Is like at, at that point, why don't we give a uh, patron a strong early game? <laughs> well, I mean, is I guess is there a way to okay, fit it okay, in? No, no, no. So, I th- I think what he's talking about, Andres, is not necessarily like a new uh, form of reach, but like a uh, reach put current reach cards in the yeah. Deck. Like, should we um, edit our lists to include I, more reach? I'm looking at the you, you're talking about like dragon burst, like burst damage to the face, right? Exactly. We're saying like, should we? Is there a way we can make dragon priest better at that? Is that a weakness of a deck that we can improve on by putting different cards in it? I think um, it's just they try to. The way I see it is they try to separate that sort of thing, right? You don't want a deck that not only has an amazing um, board control and, like, uh, sustain, and then on top of that, it also has amazing reach. Um, I think that would just make that deck, like, way, way too powerful, right? And instead, it's more about, like, concentrating on the strategy of the deck. Uh, For example, uh, Freeze Mage. The, they focus on that. They have a lot of reach, and then the rest of the deck just focuses on mm. stopping and stalling your opponent until you can just one-shot him to the face. Um, there is a concern about it diluting what the deck's focus is, um, and that's something... Billy, do you think... Have you played or seen much Dragon uh, okay. Priest? So I'm looking at the current Dragon Priest list, and this is going right. off a of Tempo Storm. Okay. Uh, he's correct, and the deck doesn't have a lot of reach. Yeah. Um, I... I hate light bomb as a card. Uh, so <laughs> it's also not reach. If if I wanted reach, I'd be taking out light bomb mm-hmm. and finding room for a holy fire, which is an incredibly yeah. underrated priest card. I think yeah. um, I think six mana to deal five damage and also heal five is incredible. It helps in the aggro matchup. It helps in uh, the the control matchup. It 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 helps yeah. in the mid range matchup for reach. Sure. So I can see it. It also makes you not have to burn, like, a Shadow of Death on, like, a Blow of or something. You can just Holy yeah. Fire. I thought so, of that as well. I mean, one nice thing is that the version I run, at least, does run a couple Holy Smites, and you can typically get some spell damage on the board. So you can sometimes have Holy Smites that hit for three or four damage, um, uh-huh. which can somewhat fulfill that role. But you're right with the Holy Fire. The spell damage would also help that. Also, you're um, running Ysera. So, like, Ysera yeah. Awakens is a pretty good card. You have to hope for it, though. I got, like, seven dreams in a row. Yeah, you can have, have to hope for it. Right, but the, but the alternative the po- of getting uh, Nightmare or Ysera yeah. Awakens is either a really good minion or mm-hmm. Stall in the form of yeah. Dream. So I feel like Ysera is... He's probably got you covered. But if you want an extra yeah. bit of burst, then take yeah. out one of those Light Bombs. Or if you're me, I'd probably take out both because I don't like Light Bomb. I don't uh, run Light Bomb in mine either. Uh, I guess I feel between the Holy Novas, the Spell Damage, the Holy Smites, the um, Blackwing Corruptors, and Ysera, like, that's enough for a deck that isn't focused on Reach. Um, 
What I was going to say ahead. is that, yeah, you're right about that. This deck is not focused on reach. This deck is focused on, like, a war of attrition. You just put, like, these huge dudes that definitely mm-hmm. um, have value trades against most of the other thing your opponent is going to play. And then on top yeah. of that, you can heal him and keep him alive. So you're just... That's all you're doing. You're playing big dudes that take care yeah. of your... that take the job done. Uh, <clears throat> and the problem with, like, adding reach to this sort of thing is that you're making that strategy weaker, Right. When you yeah. take out cards um, to add burst, then you're taking out cards that help your end goal of like, hey, I'm going to put this big dudes out and keep him out there mm-hmm. for a really long time and then just win with those. That is the strategy of that deck. Um, if, you're trying, yeah, if you want some ahead. reach, I would say you might be better off playing a different kind of deck like uh, Tempo Mage or something. I'm not like sure the differences between this deck and the one that Kalento made, but Kalento uh-huh. said the Dragon Priest, and like I said, the two lists may be completely different. Um, but Kalento was describing the Dragon Priest as people need to stop looking at, at it as a, an attrition deck and more of a tempo deck because that's how yeah, he it perceives is. the deck. So in the world where it is a tempo deck, it should have reach in it. Um, hmm. And that is why I want well, but is it to a, be going but and holy fire. Maybe he's that. saying that. Maybe he's saying it's a tempo deck because you don't want to be throwing your eight eight dude against their two two dude, right? You want your opponent to be throwing his two two dude against your eight eight, and the only way to be able to do that is if you're ahead in tempo or like you want your opponent to be throwing all of your threats into the Twilight Drake. Is that what it's called? The Twilight Drake. Yeah, well, like the three six with taunt, the toilet guardian. Yeah, yeah, three six with taunt, like that sort of thing, uh, or throwing them into the wormist agent or yeah. that sort of thing. I think you're correct, Andres. I actually pulled up Kalento's list real quick, and he doesn't have any reach that isn't in other versions. He actually doesn't no, even have. No, but what I was saying so. is that, like, if if that's why, mm-hmm. uh, I forgot who asked the question again. But if he's <laughs> asking the yeah, if he's asking that question, it's a valid question to have if we're talking oh, yeah. about a tempo deck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get that. I'm just saying that I think maybe Kalento's um, definition of reach for a deck like this, or maybe a definition of reach you could have for a deck like this, is your reach is the idea of your board staying consistently threatening to your opponent. So it's yeah. not pure attrition, but your reach is the idea that you have something threatening on board that can continue to pressure the opponent and a way to develop well, the that. the idea of the reach game. is that like, you've already done that, but he's extended, uh-huh. he's uh, exhausted all your options so yeah. your reach is like your your final option although and the thing is you either have reach or you have sustain right the decks that don't have sustain for example mech mage where they have no ways of drawing cards or things like that um is reach mm-hmm. so they just well, do a how- ton of damage at the beginning and then finish it off with a fireball but decks like this one where you're playing the long game, right? Because all of your creatures have so much value and you're going to draw into Ysera and stuff like that that he gives you even more sustain. Um, <clears throat> at that point, the game changes a little bit and you don't need reach, you rather need sustain, right? And things, for example, like Light Bomb contribute to that. If you can play a Ysera and then Light Bomb their board Whoa. away and you keep your Ysera, um, it's amazing. Well, yeah, but I was offering up a solution of both reach and sustain, which is holy fire. Yeah, it heals, does damage, perfect weld. That's potential. I just wonder if other six drops are better in this deck. I don't know. It's You're it's also an interesting running solution. A lot of holy, holy fire does provide you both reach and sustain. The problem with it is that 
It consumes most of your turn to either remove a single threat or do damage to the face in a deck where you always want to be playing a minion, at least at least one minion every turn. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's I feel a, like it's a, I'm looking yeah. at this list and I feel like there's a lot of turns where I could work in, uh, especially with Priest. Like, Priest has such a big issue with wasting mana. So, like, I feel like Holy Fire would be something like... Turn nine, flop down my dark cultist, kill a dude, or like maybe I played Ysera, so now I can play my uh, what's that four drop called? Emerald Drake, and play my Holy Fire. Like I feel like there's a lot of room for playing. Granted, yeah, it's it's not gonna happen every time. You're not gonna be able to like play Holy Fire and play a minion at the same time. But mm-hmm. I feel like in the circumstance where that doesn't happen, you're losing the game or you're going to be reaching which is the purpose of the holy fire being in the deck so yeah. like i don't know it, i i would have to experiment with it but i'm assuming yeah. that holy fire at least taking out yeah i'm, I'm being told here in the on, on tempest Storm that the the secret power it's to counter the secret power and that's why there's two light bombs um yeah so if, if secret paladin is a big deal then maybe yeah, that, take that's out, what i was uh, trying to say like uh Light bomb takes care of either one threat or gives you the reach, but in a deck that doesn't have burst, that doesn't like necessarily uh, try burning down really quick, um, the the reach is not as powerful as just being able to stick your yeah. big dude on the board that can constantly deal damage to your yeah. opponent. I think Holy Fire could be a good tech if you want to go more in the reach direction, but yeah, I think the answer to the original question would be most people aren't running reach in this deck because it has enough in it for what it's doing. Like like I mentioned, it actually some versions have plenty plenty of reach between the spell damage, buffing creatures that are on board, um, holy fire or not holy fire, what is it? Smites. Um the dragons that can deal three damage or the uh dang it, I'm blanking on the name again. What are those four drops? Or no five Twilight drops? Guardian. Oh no, Blackwing Corruptor. Blackwing Corruptor. Yeah, so you know you have options and like we said, Yasera. So the reason it wouldn't you don't need more reach is because there's enough reach in there for the type of deck it is, which is kind of a tempo um, uh, sustain deck uh, or late late game tempo deck, if you don't want to put it that way. So anyway, that is the end of our listener topics. Those were really good questions, Jamie. So I appreciate that. Yeah, very um, very cool. Very cool listening topics. Definitely uh, keep them coming. I love discussing this sort of thing, all these questions. and Totally. Yes, these were awesome. So I, And I love the idea of like three quick ones to go through. So if you guys have yeah, those. Yeah, that was um, nice. That was a nice little format this way. Bring them up. Uh, speaking of quick things to go through, I was checking our iTunes reviews and I actually just assumed we didn't have any this week for some reason. And then I looked and we have four new iTunes reviews. Oh, so look at that. I was really wrong. Um, so five star reviews from Kick Tripod, which shout out, he is John from the Well Met podcast. Oh, hey, John. Thanks a lot for the review. So thanks a ton for that review. It was a really good review that um, we are short on time. So I will not read all of these in full, but thank you very much for them. We also got a five star review from Battleshop711, who says, Well done. Um, Posey says, great show. Five-star review from Posey. Oh, and nice. then five-star review from Infidel Kel, who says, howdy y'all. And then uh, goes on to talk about how he's gotten much better at the game uh, over the past few months listening to us. So Perfect. thank you. I'm very glad to hear that. Yes, I'm excited that we were able to help you that and also are able to entertain you during your work. So... <laughs> That's what we aim to do. Uh, also, he says, P.S. Secret Paladin is the new patron warrior. So he has <laughs> wow. chosen sides. Um, <laughs> so uh, thank you for that. 
I I still don't know where I still stand that Secret Paladin's going to become much worse in the next few months. But well, yeah, we'll see how things evolve. It's we so will easy indeed. to bait. I don't get it. No. <laughs> you can email us more stuffs at heartthehogs at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, or iTunes. Uh, just search Heartaholics or whatever your Android player of choice is. iTunes reviews are super awesome. They help us a ton. Um, so if you are an Apple user and can leave us a review there, that would be fantastic. Uh, also, we do game nights for the Angry Chicken, which we uh, post about in their subreddit um, slash TAC podcast. So just head over there to see all of our details. Um, we post, we're actually doing two game nights now, as we announced last week. Andres is hosting one on Mondays, which is going to be more competitive and ladder focused. Uh, and that starts at 6.30 p.m. Central Daily Time or Daylight Time. And I host the one on Wednesdays, which is doing tavern brawls and random decks and typically just having fun with whatever. Um, and we do those at 8 p.m. Central Day- Daylight Time um, on Wednesdays. So definitely check out our uh, posts on the subreddit for details on those. And we look forward to uh, being able to play Hearthstone with you guys over the internets there. Um, finally, Andres, where can people find you on the internet? People can find me on Twitter at iPlayGames. You spell it I-P-L-A-I Games. And then you can also find all of the music work that I do, including the intro song to this um, <clears throat> podcast at my website, MassiveMusic.com. M-A-S-S-E-V-E Music.com. Check it out. All right. Uh, Billy, where can people find you? Uh, I don't really know what's going on with my stuff. So <laughs> I'll use my plug time to uh, to mention Whales or Whales. Everyone should go listen to the Whales or Whales podcast and other affiliated shows because they're really fun to do there you go just head over to whales whales.com that's whales a-r-e whales.com and yeah you can find a bunch of other shows that billy myself hearthaholics is part of that network and yeah we have a lot of new cool stuff coming there but check out the whales or whales podcast where everyone on the network just talks about anything and everything uh, if you want to find me, you can find me there at Whales or Whales and the Whales or Whales podcast. Um, you can also find me doing um, this and all the gaming groups we already talked about and just anything else on Whales or Whales. Honestly, that's where my online presence is. And on Twitter, I am Lord Meldor. That is L-O-R-D-M-E-L-D-O-R-R. Um, and that'll do it for this week, except we have our flavor text of the week. I'm curious if you guys will be able to guess this one. It reads, he may sound surly and antisocial, but he's actually just really shy. Any ideas? Ah, the patient assassin? That's a really good guess, but it is not the patient assassin. <laughs> uh, Billy, what's your guess? Uh, all right, I'll go, because I'm never going to get it. I'll just go with Raging Wogan. Nope, it is Mysterious Challenger. Uh, Once again, (laughs) sneaking up on everyone and taking the game. (laughs) All right, everyone. I hope you guys were able to guess that, and we will talk to you next time.